0: Gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head coming to you direct from Las Vegas, Nevada, where it is the morning after the night before. As you can probably tell from my voice, this week has taken its toll. I'm not only knackered; my voice is in pieces. It's been that kind of week. Funny thing was this week it's it's been a, it's been a very strange week. When I got here at the start of the week, there was virtually no buzz for UFC 202 whatsoever. We used to see in these Conor McGregor fights being hyped up to the max with the buzz starting weeks in advance. That wasn't really the case here, and we took our seats in the David Copperfield Theatre on the Wednesday morning for the pre-fight press conference. All we were talking about amongst the press was how how little buzz there was for the the actual fight. Then everything changed. Conor McGregor shows up half an hour late. Nate Diaz then walks off. Then they start throwing obscenities at each other. Then they start throwing bottles at each other. Then Conor grabs a couple of cans of Monster Energy. Jake Shields even tried to throw a full cup of coffee at one point. The whole thing just went absolutely berserk. Um, it was unsavoury, it was unsightly, but what it did do was really kickstart fight week. The following day on the Thursday, Conor McGregor delivered the big epic mic drop at the Open Workouts. Then on the Friday we had the, one of the most raucous UFC Wayne's I've ever experienced as McGregor and Diaz finally got to face off with... Thousands of people roaring their approval. I don't know how many people were in that marquee ballroom, but that place was big there, and it was full. Uh, amazing, amazing scenes. And after all of that, it was a case of surely the fights can't live up to you know the the craziness and the hype and the drama of what we'd seen during fight week. There's no way it could live up to it, right? Wrong. It was it exceeded it for drama. It exceeded it for excitement. The fight delivered the goods. And then some. One of the best UFC rematches I can remember. I think only probably the Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard uh, rematches maybe come close just for sheer excitement. But this had an extra level of big fight feel. I think um, McGregor won the fight by majority decision, 48-47 twice, and 47 on on the uh, on the third card. So it was a majority decision, and it was a roller coaster of a fight that will live long in the memory. It was quite quite something to see. Um, after all the fights had finished, I managed to catch up with some of my MMA media friends back in the media centre, which wasn't really a media centre, it was a tent. It was a, it was a huge marquee that had set up out back of the T-Mobile Arena where we got to do a couple of post-fight scrums with uh, with some of the fighters after the event. Uh, once all that had finished, I managed to collar a few of the guys and, and get their thoughts on what we'd witnessed, not just on Saturday night, at the T-Mobile Arena, but also on the the crazy events of Fight Week. Uh, so on this podcast, you'll hear post-fight reaction from Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. You'll also hear reaction from Danny Austin from Post Media in Canada. You'll hear from Denis Shuratov and Kasper Rosalowski from Submission Radio in Australia. They made the trip over. Uh, you'll also hear from MMA Fighting's Ariel Helwani and, of course, my good buddy John Morgan join me on the pod to uh, to wrap things up as we chewed over the craziness that was UFC 202 so we'll kick things off with none other than Ariel
1: Helwani here he is well first off I want to know where Sandu is where you at Sandu?
0: Sandu's, Sandu's yeah. back home no, Sandu. no no
1: no I was told Sandu was going to be here Otherwise, I'm not doing the interview. Just kidding. Um, that was a lot of fun. The mic, mate. Yeah, uh, that was a lot of fun. I thought it lived up to all the hype. I scored it three to two for Conor McGregor. I thought he won the first, second, and fourth round. I thought Nate won the third. Made some great adjustments in the third. Won the fifth with that late takedown. It was interesting in the post fight press conference that he said he thought he was trying to focus too much on the wrestling and the takedowns, and I thought he should have focused on it more. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah. What a fun fight. It certainly lived up to it.
0: And uh, the current main event, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Is there a scarier man in the UFC than uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson right now?
1: Well, man, Cody Garbrandt's pretty scary as well. He uh, finished K Mizugaki in a shorter amount of time than Dominic Cruz did. But, yeah, that was, that was unbelievable. I still haven't confirmed whether or not that was a tooth that flew out of Glover's mouth. That seemed to be the talk. Something flew out of his mouth. Didn't look like a mouth guard, but... Um, that is a scary man. And, you know, I wasn't all that into the idea of seeing him fight DC again. Now I'm into it. Now I feel like it's time to do it, especially with Jones being out.
0: Here's a question. Jones, The Jones camp seem reasonably confident they can get this thing yeah. sorted. Just play Devil's Advocate for a second, and Jones is available. Yeah. What fight do you make?
1: No, I do the Rumble fight. Um, look... They may be confident. They have to remember that they have to not only battle USADA, but also the Nevada Athletic Commission, who typically takes their time with these sorts of things. And whether or not he ingested something knowingly or unknowingly, there needs to be a consequence for actions. And I think it's sending a bad signal. It's setting a bad precedent if you just put him right back into a title fight. And on top of all that, I do think there's some fatigue when it comes to the D.C. Jones rivalry. I think the fans had the rug pulled out under them, and they don't want to go through that again. I think it would be bad business to do that fight. So I think, let's say he comes back and is ready to go. You could do D.C. Rumble with him fighting on the same card makes a lot more sense than doing D.C. Jones right away.
0: Talking about good business, put yourself in Conor McGregor's shoes right now. He's a 145-pound champion. He knows that if he moves back down there to defend his belt, he's got to do it against Jose Aldo. He's got the potential possibility of moving into 155 he's beaten Nate Diaz he wants to move to 155 ultimately I think and get himself in there with a potential for a title shot he's coming off a win I think that that option is there but he he seems to me from talking there he doesn't want to let go of the belt no so if you're if you're his number one advisor his most trusted aide and ally and he said Ariel I, I need some help with this What would you advise
1: him to do? He says that it's hard for him to get excited about fighting Aldo again, and I don't really blame him. How do you top 13 seconds? And talk about fatigue when it comes to a rivalry. I think that there is some fatigue when it comes to that rivalry as well. Um, And he's coming off two multi-million dollar fights, two fights that captivated the world. Is that fight there for him at 155? So he's in an interesting spot. I thought the most interesting thing that was said the entire night was his last response. He said the SHIT is about to hit the fan. What a cliffhanger. What the heck is he talking about? It's unfortunate that we didn't have that much time with him because I would have loved to ask him, like, what are you referring to? I mean, we know about some of the issues he's had with UFC. We know about the tension. We know about the press conference starting earlier without him uh, on Wednesday. But, wow, you talk about a cliffhanger and you talk about this ongoing storyline of this power struggle between, you know, boss and fighter, promoter and fighter. Uh, this is reminiscent of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon circa 1999, and everyone loved that feud. So, um, yeah, who knows where his next battle will be? Will it be in the cage, outside of the cage? What, what a line to end his press conference.
0: Absolutely, and obviously the next big pay per view is, is Cleveland 203, but the one after that obviously yeah. is of particular importance uh, to myself and Sandu back home in the UK. Yes. UFC 204, Dan Henderson taking on Michael Bisbing. What's your view, first off, on the matchup? And, and secondly, on the fact that this is an event that's going to be held in the UK, yep. but it's going to be held at US time.
1: Yep. First off, Sandu's probably home eating that chicken that he always talks about right Nanos. now. Yeah, that's right. Um, I hope they sponsor him. He talks about it so much. Uh, <laughs> that would be nice. The, you know, I have to admit, I was, I was disappointed when I first heard that that fight was in the works Bisping versus Hendo because I was under the impression the way the UFC was positioning it to us was that Bisping asked for it but now it has become abundantly clear that he did not ask for it and I think there's a very big difference there and I think that they're actually doing him a disservice by saying he asked for it yeah. Because, because it looks like he's the champion he's going down the line and picking the 13th ranked guy who he has a feud getting back to 2009 with but that that's not what he's doing he was open to taking any other fight they came to him with this idea So I think that's a really important detail that they're overlooking. Once I heard about that, once I heard that um, Hendo says that he's retiring, win or lose, and I believe him, I kind of warmed up to it. I kind of like it more. I I think it's fun. Why not? It'll be over within less than two months. It's not the end of the world. Um, I think it's a mistake to do the fight at 4 a.m. I think you finally have the... English champion that you've been investing in for the last decade it's Bisping it's not anyone else it's Michael freaking Bisping and you're going to put him on locally at 4am to me it's um, it's if if I'm a fan who has been following his career in particular from Manchester of all places and that's when the fight is happening I'm a little disappointed and to me it feels short sighted to do that to that market because this feels like the kind of fight that can really reignite that market Um, to do it at that time is uh is short sighted because you're not taking into account the press that the fight will garner if it's in prime time over there. And I don't know if this, you know, in boxing there are big fights involving Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko and they air at 4 p.m. in the U.S. and then they re air them sometimes on HBO later on in the night. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to do it during the day in the U.S., but they seem to know, you know, they're the kings of pay per view, so who the hell am I? Yeah,
0: and the last one, um, I had to ask you about this because. Um, we were part of the uh, all, all of the various shenanigans uh, that were going on during fight week. The kerfuffles. And the kerfuffles. Yes. And we had kerfuffles. Yes, as well. we did. Um, the weigh-ins were something pretty special. I mean, the size of that room. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I was slightly concerned, um, having been to football matches in the past, soccer matches, where there is a simmering tension between the fans, and you you do worry, especially with the the lack of security relative terms was in the room where the tensions might boil mm-hmm. over it turned out in the main to be very very good natured and you and uh, your colleagues at mma fighting were right in the thick of it you recorded your pre-flight show in there and i thought it was it was it was chaotically brilliant uh, thank you as as a as, as an experience of recording these and you've yep. done them all over the all over the world how did that rank doing it within within a sea of irish fans yeah. and you knew that sean el was going to pick Nate. Yeah. Uh, oh it was beautiful Nate diaz and that that, that comedy moment yes was just, it, was, it was it was priceless
1: sean and uh, mark pinky picking nate in front of those fans made that video and then i had to go for the cheap pop oh perfect yeah, that timing for me um, that might have been in a vacuum like the most fun five minutes i've ever had doing this job it was amazing and you know a lot has been said of that crowd and how great it was and enthusiastic and boisterous but here's what really needs to be said we need to applaud both those groups of fans for the way they behave because let me tell you there was virtually no security there. And as you saw, the security that was there were, with all due respect, like 60-year-old ladies. They were not doing anything if there was a brawl. Those fans were literally nose-to-nose and nothing happened. No punches were thrown, nothing happened. And that is unbelievable. These are two factions that do not like each other and nothing happened. And it just, it it was a beautiful thing, it really was. And it was two groups of fans, Celebrating their heroes, having fun, having a great time for free, coming in there. I mean, that in a nutshell is what makes the sport so great. And it also reminded me that, like, we go through these fights and, you know, we're just on to the next one. Now we're going to talk about Hamburg and Vancouver and Cleveland and stuff. But, like, these unique atmospheres do not happen. I was in Atlanta and that place was dead. You know what I mean? And it was a great card. But when the fans just aren't emotionally attached to those fighters the way they are, Diaz and McGregor, it's 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 just different, and these two are magic together, and that's why you know it's funny. We all loved the first fight, everyone bemoaned the making of the second fight, and now we're all sort of dreaming of what the third fight can bring. Um, those two guys are, are magical, and I do hope we get to see that third fight. and I think it'll be bigger than the first two.
0: Great stuff. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Great to see you again. My hope pleasure. Keep up the great
1: hope. work on the podcast. I love it. Thank you. The we'll, Brit we'll Pack.
0: Danny Austin from Price Media is here. Danny, what did you make of that fight? I mean, it was
2: incredible. It was. Um, I wasn't there for Robbie Lawler and Roy McDonald last year at UFC 189. It's certainly the best fight I've ever seen um, live. It makes me feel pretty silly for a lot of the things I was saying and thinking earlier in the week because I was thinking, you know, I was really reading into Conor's mental headspace and uh, yeah and um and i was talking about how it didn't quite feel like there was the same excitement as i was expecting when i arrived here in vegas and then you know they go put on a show like that and you know what a thrill i mean i think all of us felt really lucky to be there cage side and uh for me that's a fight that you know after the disappointment of ufc 200 it really uh kind of healed some of the wounds from that a little bit i think
0: i think so yeah and it wasn't just the fight it was it was that build and you know we, we, we've all spoken separately about this sort of after after the day's work's been done when we walked into that David Copperfield theatre on the Wednesday there was there was a real absence of buzz it felt you almost felt bad that you're here you are there's this huge pay-per-view due to happen we'd heard that ticket sales weren't going fantastically well at the time there wasn't there wasn't really the buzz that everyone was expecting there to be then everything kicked off at the, at the press conference and everything went from there and I mean, you know, we, uh, we, we've we spoken since then, but I mean, what's your take on how the whole fight week has built up to this?
2: Well, I mean, I'm going to start not at the beginning, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it was yesterday at the ceremonial weigh-ins. Um, even open workouts, yeah, Connor showed up, he had a couple quotes, but, you know, it wasn't really happening. It was the Irish showed up, and the Diaz fans oh. showed up. And yesterday oh. at weigh-ins was the first time that I really felt, okay, the fans are into this, um, maybe you know, these huge pay-per-view numbers are actually going to happen. Um, and I think that so much of this week was carried by Nate Diaz. Um, and we got a Nate Diaz week, which is very different from a Conor McGregor week. When Conor was, you know, happy to do all his media obligations previously, he'd come in and he set the tone. He, the, the energy level was so high with Conor. And because it wasn't there with him this week, I think that all of us were sort of uh, feeling that and weren't sure where it was. But the second Nate threw that first bottle... You sort of got the feeling that something special was going on. And uh, Nate, I think, did a wonderful job carrying it. I think he had he was great in the post-fight press conference. And um, the second Connor's music came on, there was that big fight feel. You're so curious. And it was just it was intriguing in a way that maybe fight weeks in the past with Connor haven't been intriguing. It was uh, it was wondering if when Connor McGregor doesn't seem totally under control and doesn't what does that mean? And we now we know it doesn't mean much. He still gets in the octagon and puts on a hell of a shirt
0: yeah I mean a lot of people criticise the guy for being uh, a man who talks a lot but the substance is clearly there mm-hmm. and this was against the guy who beat him soundly the first time round he asked for the same conditions I think the general consensus was part of this was an ego thing for him he had to for he, to cleanse his own soul if you like mm-hmm. had to go in and get it back under the same conditions to do it at 155 would almost have been in his eyes a cop out. He had to do it at 170. So, so that I thought was a, was an interesting thing. One thing I wanted to ask you about was Cody Garbrandt. Uh, this is a guy who you sort of look at look at the up and coming stars of the UFC, and this lad seems to have it all. When he delivered, if if, if you take the Connor fight out of the equation, there were two guys that really stood out: Rumble Johnson and Cody, Gar- uh, mm-hmm. Cody Garbrandt. I mean, how did you rate him?
2: I mean, Cody Garbrandt right now, in my opinion, is the most intriguing. Guy who hasn't fought for a title yet in the UFC. Um, Sorry, Max Holloway. Sorry, um, sorry, everybody. He's just there. He's one of those guys who I watch, and his yeah, the power's there, but uh, he's also so precise um, in his striking, and you just you, you, I don't. That guy hits you, you fall, and I mean it's everybody, Um, and you know, beating Thomas Almeida, you're beating an up-and-coming prospect. There's still something to prove, but. The guy he beat tonight has been around for, what, eight years in the UFC, I think? I mean, he beat a real veteran and didn't have any trouble doing it. And, I mean, you want to talk Dominic Cruz versus anybody. Dominic Cruz is famous for jumping in, hitting you, and not getting hit. So now we got a guy, that is, that is his skill set versus a guy who, when he hits you, you fall. I mean, it's fascinating. and And I think we've seen over the last three or four months, or maybe longer than three or four months, five or six months, that these really, really good strikers doesn't matter if you're a champion they will knock you out in the first round if they pressure forward and they connect on punches and that's what Cody Garbrandt does I mean he looks to me very similar I mean not in style but I mean we've seen Eddie Alvarez do it we saw uh, Amanda Nunez do it we saw
0: Tyron Woodley do it I think think we went through I think we went through them the other day and I think it was about seven out of the ten were first round I think in terms of the men's I think in the
2: men's division I think that we said and I'm not going to go through it but of every weight class Uh, Championship fights I believe that It was only Bantamweight And light heavyweight Where the title Has not been decided In the first round um, In their most recent fight I mean that's incredible And Garbrandt has that skill set So He's I mean he's the guy And let's be honest Like I'm willing to say He's a good looking guy He's uh, He's well spoken He's kind of funny He's got He's the whole package For the UFC I mean Give him the title shot Dillashat probably deserves it more right now But Give it to Garbrandt
0: And last one Rumble Johnson, just the emotion when you watch that because Glover Teixeira is no mug. He's only lost one Squad TKO in his whole career, and that was his first fight. It okay. was his first fight, and here we go. You know, he's got in there and he got he got knocked out so bad he didn't he did not know where he was when he woke up.
2: He to me, and this is purely anecdotal. This is not you know, I'm not an analyst necessarily. He is the scariest. He's the man who I would least want to find myself across the cage from if I was we ever forced exact to go conversation
0: in <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the table over there we had it down to two we had him and Derek Lewis yeah they were the two people we would least like to face off against and, the
2: I mean Anthony doesn't. he there are times when I just think it would be illegal for him to even fight because hits so hard and uh I mean let's be frank here, Glover Teixeira should have had another strategy other than to stand in front of him and punch um, and sometimes, you know, Glover Teixeira is a great fighter, he was not a great fighter tonight um, and that needs to be noted um, I cannot wait for Daniel Cormier and Rumble Johnson I mean, I'm I'm Canadian, I'm born and raised in Toronto so they announced this December card and I'm just looking at the, the fights that we could have by the end of the year and uh just as a Canadian, we're going to get what New York doesn't, and it's still going to be amazing. And you know, I imagine Rumble DC headlines New York, but uh, after that, I'm I'm pretty excited for what comes to Canada. So
0: yeah, yeah we've got a stacked stacked schedule for the rest of the year. They announced it. Well, I think we barely got a week off between now and the rest of the year. We're going to be busy, Danny. It's going to be it's going to be good fun.
2: I cannot wait. Uh, I hope I can trick my company into sending me to Manchester so we can do more. But I mean, this this week was incredible and. Uh, Connor said at UFC 200 and that in the press conference that they had, and none of us could sit here. He said UFC 202 was the real UFC 200, and uh, that sort of felt ridiculous walking into that press conference on Wednesday. But uh, I mean, I think we can com- say pretty we, confidently that uh, this is the best card of the summer, if not the year, because Man 196 was really good too. Yeah,
0: no, that was fantastic, and I think you did right. I think Connor. He stole the show. It was a fantastic event, Danny. Thank you so much for talking Thanks to us. Thanks for having me, Simon. Good man.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, this is the Brit Pack. We are backstage in the media marquee. Would you like to call it or the media tent? I don't know. This is Adam Hills from uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, Adam, you've been to countless, countless Vegas events. Yeah. How does this one rank in terms of in terms of buzz, excitement, and the event delivering on final?
3: It's it's crazy. I've been thinking about this actually, and um, it was one of those things we talked. I talked to you actually before the fight, and it was like a slow build. It was you know the couple weeks leading up, you don't really think about it. You're not really talking about it, and then the press conference really got things started on Wednesday. The bottles being thrown around, and everything, and I thought yesterday the Irish fans at the weigh-in. Uh, took things to a new level. hope this place doesn't blow over. I, I think know. I will be, I'll be all right. It's crazy. A lot of wind here in Vegas. Um, I, I think the Irish fans at the, at the weigh-in yesterday took it to a new level where I was like, okay, there's the buzz. There's the enthusiasm. And a lot of times it, it's a really weird phenomenon in this sport. And I actually said, it's funny, just the card in general was great. Amazing. Uh, I thought, you know, four early knockouts and then just a classic fight. The main, that, the main card was amazing. But I was looking at, you know, you're looking at the card before. The first two fights on the main card, I think 98% of even UFC fans probably had never heard of maybe one of those guys, Tim Means being the one people heard of. And then you get the fight, the second fight on the main card, I was talking to to Dave Schaller from the UFC uh, PR staff, and and I said, has there ever been a fight with less name recognition on a main card of UFC pay-per-view ever? And he laughed, and he said, you know what, that's, that's funny. And I said, but when that happens, it's usually a great fight. And, and it was. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. It was a great fight. And so then you got that. So you've got that fight. Then you get the Cerrone fight. That performance was great. His combo to finish Rick Story was unbelievable. 13 seconds in the Anthony Johnson fight, but that's a good 13 seconds. I mean, anytime you get Anthony Johnson out there and then the main event, forget it. I mean, I don't like to rate... You know, fights right after a card. Like, oh, the best ever! Because it's so easy to be like, oh, it's great. It, it's you know, recency bias. It's yeah. called. But um, it was awesome. I mean, it was a it was a great night of fights. Just just start to finish. Just you know, finishes the the classic main event, everything that went on, and uh, I thought it was a really fun night.
0: Something about Ramble Johnson. I mean, we were sat on the on on, on the tables here in the, in, in the uh, in the media tent, just waiting for the for the guys to come out so we could do the media scrums. Is there a scarier fighter in the world
3: than Robert Johnson? No, I don't, I don't think so. And I look around, like, believe me, when I say this, there's nobody I would fight in, in the UFC. I'm a big dude. I wouldn't fight a, a woman strawweight fighter. I, I would lose. I'm, I'm a wimp. I'm awful. I got nothing. But I think he's the last person I would say. But we were discussing it. Maybe Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is a scary dude. God, Anthony Johnson hits hard, man. He hits so hard. And, you know, guys, like, you have know, think about that. Glover Teixeira's been in so many fights in his career. The only other time he was stopped, and he's hit, he's fought some big hitters, and he's taken some big shots. The only other time he was stopped, the first fight of his pro career in 2002, Anthony Johnson puts him to sleep with one punch. That dude is bad, man. He is scary. And uh, just another performance. You know, I, I said, you know, I don't, I don't, I get fights wrong all the time, but I saw that line, and I I think I even mentioned to you earlier in the night, and, and he was less than a two-to-one favorite to open up, and I said... That's a wrong, that's a bad number. Anthony Johnson is going to destroy Glover Teixeira, I, I thought, for sure. And, you know, a lot of times I'm wrong about that. I'll I'll point out that when, when Andre Olowski fought Travis Brown, uh, I I went into the fight saying I didn't think they should sanction the fight. I thought it was such a mismatch. Travis Brown was going to murder Andre Olowski, and they shouldn't sanction it. And Andre won that fight in the first round. So I, I'm wrong plenty of times, but I thought Anthony Johnson was just going to wipe the floor with Glover Teixeira, and I was actually right about one
0: you're not the only one who gets these fights spectacularly wrong I remember I wrote a piece a few years back about Dan Henderson I said the guy his punch resistance is gone I think it's time for the sport to look after him and take him out of the firing line he was about to fight Tim Boach and I said Boach is a big strong dangerous guy he's durable and he's a nightmare for a nightmare matchup for Dan Henderson Henderson dusts him off in about 26 seconds and made me look like a complete idiot not for the first time but you know, the, the, I still the, the, don't think you're wrong about that. I, I don't do think happen.
3: Dan Henderson should be fighting.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I I, I don't think he
3: you, should. But. So I don't think you're necessarily wrong about that. He's listen. He's a guy that can land a big punch, and those guys are going to be able to win fights. It doesn't mean they should be in them. It doesn't mean they're you know even fights. Those guys can win, yeah. and so you know that, it, that happens sometimes. But it, I, I don't think that necessarily doesn't you know that doesn't disprove your point.
0: Talking about people who can who, who can punch hard. Let's talk about Cody. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I, I talked to Danny Austin a little bit earlier and. Uh, you know, he said he's got a good-looking. Why would you talk to him? To Danny Austin? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He, you know, he, he was available. He was available. You know, I, I, you know me. I will talk to anyone, but uh, Danny Austin. Yeah, we and um, um, you know we were talking about Cody, and it was he's a good-looking guy. He's got he's got the tattoos and all the rest of it. He's got that look about him that makes you think, yeah, he's he's, he's you know he could start a fight in an empty well, room. He's... You meet the guy, he could not be better to deal with. He's got everything you need. From a corporate perspective, to be a really successful champion, and then he gets in the octagon, and he does the sort of thing that he did tonight. I mean, it's 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 remarkable. He's got incredible hands. His hand speed tonight was was incredible. But m- marry that up with the sort of power that he's delivering, and you've got dynamite on your hands.
3: You do, and, and all the, for all those reasons that you mentioned. You know, he is a guy who he looks the part of a fighter. He's got the tattoos. He looks kind of like a badass. Like he's he's that guy. But the ladies love him. He, I, I know a lot of girls that don't really follow this sport. I and mean, I get texts all the time, Hey, are you talking to Cody? Like, Can you give me a picture? Like, no. But th- that's the guy that the girls seem to like. Um, so completely remarkable from that perspective. And as you said, really, really, really good, genuine kid yeah. who does a lot outside the cage, a lot in the community. He's got um, you know charity stuff that he does, all that stuff that he does. And with a great backstory of coming really from from not much. So he's got all those things working for him. And then he gets in and has that power. And at that weight class, at 135, a bantamweight, you just don't see that. You know, Dominic Cruz has been so dominant, but it's not because of the power. It's because his speed, his finesse, everything that he can do. To have a guy with that kind of knockout power at 135, it's a totally it's a, totally a game changer. And, you know, he's, him against Dominic with the way they can both talk, the way their camps have a history, the way they don't like each other, it really sets up to be a great rivalry at 135. And contrasting styles, everything that you have there, that, that's going to be fun for a couple of years.
0: Two questions for you first one nope last one only one (laughs) if you're if you're conor mcgregor's uh advisor you've got these options in front of him right now uh and it it looks as if if he wants to go and, and join the lightweight division he may have to shut the door on the featherweight division um what would you what would you advise that he does next
3: first of all are we are we stipulating that if i am his advisor he's listening to me yeah. or do I, I tell him something he's, he's not going to listen to any, anything anybody says so uh, but say okay, let's, let's if assume, we're going to have the conversation okay right.
2: um,
3: I, I laid it out I think I think what's what's good for business the, the, he, he can do whatever he wants I think this was a huge fight and that if he loses he's got to go back to 145 because all, then you can sell it alright he tried to come up he couldn't make it now he's back at 145 he's good this opens all the doors again so everything's open I don't think he wants to go to 145. He kind of talked down Jose Aldo tonight. He's like, hey, he didn't impress me. We we know that's kind of, you know, it's kind of garbage. But he's not going to 145. I don't think he wants to go to 170 either. He's seen those dudes are big. They don't fall down. 155 is where he's going to be right now. I think Madison Square Garden, if he's healthy, we saw the shin injury. He said it's not an injury. It's just kind of pain. Madison Square Garden, Eddie Alvarez, I think that's the fight. I think he does it. Or the end of the year card here, which is December 30th, of Friday night yeah. in Vegas. Uh, I think one of those cards is to fight Eddie Alvarez, try to win that lightweight title. They'll strip him of the 145, probably. Uh, but then he's the lightweight champ. Then, again, all doors are open. Go back to 145, challenge for his title again, defend 155, or even come to 170.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's, been, it's been a crazy week. And I've been talking to some of the other guys about the last time we were here in Vegas for, for a big pay-per-view. Uh, for the UFC 200 fight week with all of, the, all of the circus that was going on that week. We had failed drug tests. We had extra press conferences. We had all sorts going gonna have, on. Are we going to have another failed drug test tonight, by the way? Wow, well, that's a very interesting thing. Let's talk about this. Nate Diaz was... So, basically, let me just set the scene for you. We're in a largely empty press tent right now. Uh, there's probably a dozen or so journos doing, doing a bit of late work. There's a stage in front of us with a UFC backdrop. There's a table up there and what we had, the fighters from the main card came in one at a time and we had interviews we had Cowboy we had Anthony Johnson we had Conor McGregor and quite surprisingly to me we also then had Nate Diaz Nate Diaz had like a vaping thing or whatever it was but he was asked what it was Now I didn't know what it was are you more familiar with it?
3: CBD oil right I have no idea I've been researching it I still don't know Okay. Uh, the people that know more than me say hey it's not marijuana it, it, it may have THC it may not THC being the active ingredient the one they test for There's a lot of layers to this. First of all, the WADA code defines... So we know that marijuana, we know from all the DS stuff in the past, it's banned in-competition, not out-of-competition. The WADA code says in-competition ends as soon as you submit your drug sample after the fight. He already already had done that, excuse me. Uh, So in-competition is over. However, the UFC's policy is not always in line with the WADA policy. The UFC's policy specifically says six hours after your fight ends. So he's still in competition. Will they come back and test him again? No, they're not going to. Could they? Yes. So that's where it comes up, where they could be watching. Usada could be watching this press conference, and they could say, "Okay, he's what's going on?"
0: He's let's, let, let's just assume for a second that the stuff that he was he was he was vaping there has got an active ingredient in it that's on the ban list. You're Usada. You've seen this. You're, are you duty bound to test, or do you say, no? We want. I be. am.
3: I would. I would absolutely because that's kind of your job, and you want to maintain it. Because I think yeah. you can look at this and say, you know, there's a lot of questions about you independence. I think that they've shown to be independent in a lot of cases. In other cases, I'm, I question. And by the, and UFC is paying them, so while I trust that they are independent and they do what they you know they do their job, there is that out there. Those people out there that say, you work for the UFC is there any conflict at all if I'm USADA this is a perfect example to be like here's how independent we are we're going back and testing him again two hours after we already tested him because we saw him up on stage doing whatever he was doing so I would do it I don't think they're going to because
0: there is that you know they're testing because that, that wouldn't have affected his performance in the fight no. he was taking it after yeah. that's why I ask because it's like to
3: within, me within the of all, letter
0: of the law they could do that and then hit him with a suspension this is assuming there's an active ingredient in there banned substances but the idea surely is you're you're trying to promote the clean you know fighters getting the article clean and this is i guess it's kind of a blurred line or a dotted line as to where here's why i would and and, and by
3: by the way i'm not a weed guy i don't smoke at all ever so i don't even understand it i don't know what's in tbd so I'm, i'm kind of speaking on you know when i'm talking about that stuff i'm researching it i'm trying to look it up i'm trying to learn whatever there's been written about it study it but what it is is Nate Diaz totally rubbing it in their face. Uh, if, if I'm Usada, I'm looking at it saying, "Bro, come on. Your brother's just coming back from suspension. We know what you guys do. You just took a test, and you're totally rubbing it in our face that you're up on stage at the press conference. Go to the locker room. Go to your room. Go to wherever you're going, and do what you want to do. I have no. I don't. I think we should be legal anyway, all the times. Let athletes do what they want, not in the cage. But I don't think that should be. They should be suspended for it." But you can't rub it in our face when we have a drug policy, and you can't have other fighters looking and be like, "Why am I getting tested eight times at 6 a.m.?" And this dude is up on stage, basically UFC telling everybody on the stage of the OC press conference, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, to, I'm smoking right now," because I, I again, I don't know. Nate's personality changed throughout that press conference. It really did. He was yeah. giggling. He was like, slow, his words were kind of slowing and down. He, to me, this is just a, a, a guess and an observation. He was high. At the end of that press conference, to me, right. I don't know. I didn't test him.
0: To me, he was hot, and you can't just rub it in their face like that. You can't. It's, it's an interesting one. The last question I wanted to ask you: We've had we've had an awful lot go on this week. What's been what? If if, if you could take one thing away, one moment away that you'll keep with you, and it's, it's just sort of one to tell one to tell the family when you're when you're <laughs> when you're retired and you've got the pipe and slippers and you've got your feet up, say, "Oh, I'll tell you a story about this." <laughs> Is there a moment that particularly sticks with you?
3: I mean, people are really caught up on the bottle almost hitting me. I think that was a good one. I was at the press conference kind of filming uh, what was going on between the DS camp and the McGregor camp, and the I got the bottle like right by... It was a great shot going right by the camera. So I think that's a fun one, because I can show the video, and like maybe uh, Chris Avala goes on to a big career. I'm not judging by tonight's performance. Maybe he goes on to a big career, and I can say, oh, yeah, the, that guy who won a bunch of fights in the UFC almost hit me with a bottle. Um, that's a good one. But I, I just think I think the the... Just a classic main event with, you know, McGregor coming back at Diaz with kind of a, a take on his words from the first time of, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, the king is back. I, I think that was a great line, a great way to cap the week, and uh, that that'll be what's memorable. Usually, the main events are what stand out.
0: Great stuff, Adam. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Anytime. We are in the media room. Which isn't really a room, it's a tent, isn't it?
4: And it's not really the Brit Pack, it's the Oz Brit Pack now.
0: We've kind of gone for, you know, we've, we're building international relations here, some Anglo-Australian thing. So we've got a Bush for submission radio here. We've been we've been hanging out during the week, Dennis and Casper, um, doing some Sterling stuff. Please check them out on, on YouTube, loads of cracking stuff on there. First off, let's talk about that main event. Dennis, we'll start with you. Um, how, how did you score the fight, and what did you make of the greatest performance.
4: You know, it's an i am in an interesting position because I want to be honest with you and I don't want to lie and I feel like there's a lot of pressure in media for people to sort of see what the most popular consensus is and sort of go with it. So I'm gonna put myself out on the line a little bit and say that I actually thought Nate Diaz won that fight. Now when me and Casper watching it, we we're watching it from press row, up high above. And to be honest with you, I didn't really I haven't had the time yet to sit back and rewatch the fight. I'm sure I'll see what the other media sees then. But when I actually watched it, I saw Nate Diaz winning it. I thought he just edged it out in that second round. Where everybody's sort of discussing who won, and in my mind, I actually thought he did. Right. Now I might change my mind; I always do. But at the, at this moment, yeah, that was the impression I had.
0: It was an interesting round because you had the two knockdowns early on, but then Diaz really poured it on at the end of the round. And I think it depends on how you how how you weight the scoring. So it was a very close fight. Casper, what did you what did you make of the fight? How did you how did you see it?
5: Yeah, first of all, I just want to say this is one of the the best UFC fights of all time, and I don't know, maybe that is a lot of hyperbole, but just I guess seeing, sitting here, being live, uh, hearing the crowd, and, and just the, it, there was a lot of story in this fight. And before I give you my I guess score on this one, I will say the first time I watched the one at 196, I did think McGregor had a really dominant performance in the in the first round. When I rewatched it, I actually kind of disagreed. I didn't think it was as dominant. Um, so anyway. M- As far as watching it live before I watched the replay, I think the first round, clearly McGregor round. Uh, Third round, clearly a Diaz round. The fourth, I would just... It was a really close fight, really close round. I would just give it to Nate Diaz. The fifth one, I would probably just give it to... Sorry, sorry, Conor McGregor. The fifth one, I would just give it to Nate Diaz. I think he's still in the end. It all comes down to that second round. You got two knockdowns at the very start by Conor McGregor. It looked like he was in a lot of trouble at the end. I think... It really comes down to volume or, or power. Do you value knockdowns more, or do you value Diaz just getting Conor McGregor in a whole bunch of trouble and kind of looking like he tired out? I guess I'm, I'm probably siding with Nate Diaz. The way I watched it live play out, I'm probably going to say Nate Diaz. I think he should have won. But like Dennis, I might watch the replay and say, you know, it, it was a just score.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it was a very close fight. I, I personally had it 48-47 for Conor. I had Conor winning that, winning that second round. But... I can understand sort of the uh, the discrepancies in the scoring there. Looking at the other the other fights on the card, first off, just you've you've been there, you've you've seen these guys operate, you've seen these people fight at close quarters. Just how scary is Anthony Rumble, Johnson, Dennis?
4: It's one of those things that going into this fight, he already had beaten Glover in my mind. Right. when I watched it, it was almost like a dream that I've already had over and over and over. I didn't really give Glover much of a chance in this fight. The guy just comes in, and he's he's got a Superman tattoo on his shoulder, but he's probably one of the only guys that can really have one, you know? Mostly a lot of douchebags have that tattoo, but to, to him it really fits, because the guy is like Superman. I mean, he's like a specimen. When you see him in person, he actually doesn't kind of look human. He, he's this great looking specimen of an athlete. So when I saw that, it was it was expected. I felt bad for Glover, you know. Whenever someone puts in, uh, puts someone in with Anthony Johnson, you always like, oh, I feel so bad for that person, you know. Oh, he he's one of the greatest, you know, light heavyweight fighters. You know, he's one of the top. But I feel so bad for him. Why did he? That poor man. That poor Glover Teixeira, you know. So that's how I felt, and that's that's exactly what you mentioned. It's a scary situation. You know what you're gonna get. It's gonna be brutal, violent. And, you know, damaging to the human
5: anatomy, and that's what we got, so. Absolutely. And and while you're talking about the scariest moments of Anthony Johnson, I believe the scariest moment was leading up to this week at the Open Workouts, where Anthony Johnson, you'll remember this one, was being asked questions. I believe it was Ron Kruk from Inside MMA. Don't remember the question, but I remember it being pretty valid. And uh, the Conor McGregor impersonator, he's made the rounds, people have seen him. I think something to the end of Stupid Fucking Question... Anthony Rumble-Johnson wasn't having any of it, told the guy to shut up and uh, threw a piercing stare that essentially was like Moses parting the seas, just pierced the whole crowd. And needless to say, everybody shut up uh, halfway around the world. So I think that's one of the scariest moments. But the one thing to take away from this fight, I I don't think you can really say much about Anthony Rumble-Johnson, not to take credit away from him, but he did what we already know he can do, right? He came in, he destroyed Glover Teixeira, and I think in a fight in a lot of people's eyes, he was going to win. I give a lot of credit to Daniel Cormier after seeing... A lot of people crumble after taking shots like that and then seeing the way Daniel Cormier was able to take it. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from this fight. It's
4: like when Nicolas Cage is about to release a new movie. You know it's going to be a tough-to-watch situation. You know you're going to feel bad for everybody involved. That's exactly what happened with this Anthony Johnson fight. He
0: was thinking about it for five minutes while you (laughs) were talking. All night long,
4: actually, Simon. I I I knew we were going to do this a day ago. I
0: like that you've been been preparing your ad-libs. I like it. Um, (laughs) In terms of Rumble Johnson taking on Daniel Cormier again, does, does the fight go the same way? I mean, I've got to be honest, having watched, watched him live and in person against Glover Teixeira, who is no mug. We were just talking earlier about Teixeira's record of, of being such a durable, durable fighter. He'd only lost by TKO once in his whole career, and that was on his professional debut in 2002. Um, to go out there and get starched in 13 seconds like that, Is is, is Rumble Johnson now ready to just take up that mantle and be the UFC lightweight champion? Or do you think that Cormier will repeat the trick and and, and, uh, get the win over him again?
5: I think there's a few ways of looking at it. One is that Daniel Cormier's wrestling is always going to be a factor. His ground game is very good, and that's always going to be a factor. Um, Rumble Johnson's been training a lot with Neil Malenson and trying to evolve his ground game. I think that changes things a little bit. Um, One thing I noticed also about Daniel Cormier, he is rather susceptible and always has been to body shots. We saw Frank Mir take advantage of that. We saw John Jones take advantage of that. We saw Anderson Silva almost steal that fight with body shots. Rumble Johnson, I mean, anything that he punches, you know, he can destroy. And anything that he kicks, it's pretty much the same thing. If he just aims a little lower, there's always going to be that threat of the takedown. But, I mean, he could could destroy him with a body shot. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, everybody's chin cracks. So if he, you know, if, if... Daniel Cormier has had that accumulative damage which he doesn't really get hit a lot but it could be that Rumble Johnson lands that shot again and maybe this time Daniel Cormier doesn't get up so I could definitely see him finishing the fight a guy like Anthony Johnson it's like you talk about the heavyweight division where one punch can make the difference Anthony Johnson is, is definitely in that same category
0: right so let's let's move things on a level then Dennis so let's assume that we have had the Cormier versus Rumble fight
6: mm-hmm.
0: and Rumble's corrected the mistakes that he made in the first fight knocks out Daniel Cormier, John Jones gets all of his shit dealt with and comes back. And now we have Rumble versus John Jones. Who wins that fight?
4: Yeah, I think John Jones still beats Rumble. To be honest with you, uh, Rumble will always be dangerous. Like Asper said, if he knocks you out, if he hits you hard, there's a good chance he'll be knocked out. <clears throat> but uh, John Jones just has too many skills. He's too good. I think even though Daniel Cormier is a great wrestler, I believe John Jones has the ability to take Jones down. I mean Johnson down. Um, Perhaps even easier than DC can. Uh, Jones has that ability. He's got great reach, so he can keep uh, Johnson away with his strikes. And uh, you know, Jones, Jones is super tough mentally as well. That's what people don't realise. He's taken a lot of shots before. It hasn't? We haven't seen Jones take shots and wither away like a prune. We've seen him take shots, and he comes out and he wins fights. Johnson's going to hit him. He's going to take those shots. He's going to beat Johnson anyway. But. This will be a great fight because we haven't seen it before, right, Simon? And that's the exciting factor about it. And Michael Bisping is the champion. Tyron Woodley is the champion. How could you not discount the fact that Anthony Johnson will have a puncher's chance in this fight? But I suspect and I expect uh, John Jones to win it. The problem with OSP was... OSP is an awkward fighter. He's got a strange style, and he wasn't preparing for that. He was long as well. So that's why we saw sort of Jones struggle a little bit with Johnson. He's, You he can sort of you know what you're expecting. You know what's going to be happening. And if he prepares for him, and with his camp, Jackson, Winkle, John, they're going to have this whole strategy laid out for him. He'll be able to beat him, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's been a busy week this week. It's not been quite as crazy as the last time we were all together, which was back at the City 100. We had all sorts kicking off that week. We've had some fun and games this week. Like, pick out out a couple of highlights for
4: us. Well, I beat you on the shuffleboard at the pub, (laughs) and uh, and and much like uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, between your legs was the tail as you were walking through the bar, and I was the new uh, reigning king. Uh, Much like Conor McGregor said, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. The king's back. (laughs) But um, (laughs) if I'd have played
0: table tennis like last time, though.
4: Yeah, we were knocked back, but we weren't oh, going to that. I
0: noticed you kept away from the people on table. Like yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, a couple of great moments. Uh, I actually thought the week was going to be a lot crapper than this. Uh, the build-up was really terrible. I didn't know how they were going to turn it around. We are there, the bottle-throwing uh, uh, incident of 86, where uh, young Simon, myself, and Casper almost lost tonight. They said a set of 14-year-old got, uh, girl got hit, but I believe it was actually me. Uh, I cried it out all night in the shower, but I was fine. No lawsuits we put down. Um, but apart from that, you know, some other highlights. Included basically the way, in. You know, we saw those Irish fans. Uh, me and Casper have never experienced anything like that before. I brought an army helmet, I hid under a table, I practiced the drill if there's an earthquake or a crazy thunderstorm, and uh, it passed. It passed, Sam was still here. That was another great moment, and uh, tonight was the fight. The fight, when the fight is a classic, and you go through all of this, and me and Casper fly 16 hours down here, and it's all worth it. Cherry on top, worthwhile. Everyone's happy. We can go home. We can sleep well. And uh, it, it would say, hey, this
5: was all worth the wait.
0: He hasn't left you much, Casper. But is there anything else? I, I why
5: didn't Why didn't you go to me first? I, should, I <laughs> can't. Not. I can't possibly top that. Look, I will just say though, when you compare the UFC 200 schedule, where it's almost like uh, three times the media obligations, and then you look at this schedule, it's almost like uh, you look at Pepsi and then you look at Diet Pepsi. This is the Diet version. And you think, well, this is going to be pretty cruisy. Instead, all the fun parts were in the intangibles and the X-Factors. You think, well, open workouts, those are usually, let's be honest, kind of boring. You go on there, you don't get too many clicks, but you go there anyway because you enjoy it. Conor McGregor replicates Tupac. Nate Diaz throws ninja spinning kicks. You know, well worth it. You go to the UFC 202 Press Conference. Again, something that usually has some great quotes, a little bit of fun. It was a lot of fun. The bottle-throwing incident made for a lot of fun stuff. And then the weigh-ins, it wasn't just so much like any other weigh not even that. The UFC 204 press conference, you have Michael Bisping, the new champion, a guy who should be getting celebrated, and Dan Henderson, who's a legend, another guy who should be getting celebrated, and all you can hear is the Irish fans. I've never experienced anything like that. To go in there, to go in the sort of the war zone, the battlefield, to see the Irish fans and the Diaz fans clashing, that was amazing in on itself, and then of course the, the weigh-ins themselves, when I mean, you see Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz clash just the feeling of of being at this event and watching this fight live being able to be a part of it the whole thing was just a massive highlight but to be honest i don't think any of us expected it, especially after ufc 200.
0: and uh, you've got some good news this week which i assume you probably already had in your back pockets anyway that the octagon's coming back to australia before yeah,
4: yeah uh Laver arena state-of-the-art facility where the uh, uh, australian openers Everybody's going to be able to check this out. Now, what people don't understand about UFC 193 at Eddie Stadium was the views are pretty shit. Uh, it wasn't really sold out. The top was empty. Uh, they used these plastic lawn chairs that uh, old ladies would use at a bowls club. So it wasn't really quite what people saw on the screen. It wasn't as glamorous. Here, everyone's going to be comfortable. Interested to see what's going to happen there, though, because uh, we have this feeling, the suspicion, the Robert Whitaker may be somewhere near the around the main event, and uh, Chris Weidman will most likely have some other fight because of uh, UFC 205 in New York. Who do you give him? It's a dangerous move. Scared that they might give him someone who's not the biggest name and he might lose. And then there goes another prospect from Australia. So that's dangerous. And obviously Mark Hunt's probably not number one on the speed dial of Dana White's phone right now. So you're not going to have him. Hector Lombard, we all know, he has things going on. So who knows if he's going to be on there. And me and Casper, we don't fight. So that would be a pathetic (laughs) matchup.
0: Is there there a particular bout that to, in realistic
5: terms that you'd like to see on, on, on that Australia Cup? Yeah, I'd like to see a Big bat. I mean, I, I don't think the UFC can really reach into the pool of, of Aussie fighters, to really main event. Yes, you need them. You need them to put, you know, asses in seats. You need them to, not so much draw, but I guess get all the casual fans in there just for the sake of, well, look, there's Aussies fighting on the card. We better watch this. But what usually happens is the UFC, they like to... If you look at UFC 110, right, Cain Velasquez, Prokop, Nogueira. Uh, Bisping, who else? Ryan Bader, all massive names at the time, and I'm probably forgetting a lot of them. Joe Daddy Stevenson, heaps of people. And then, as the you know, the, and then the next one, UFC 127 was BJ Penn versus John Fitch in the main event. I think Bisping versus Rivera in the co-main event. So there's usually a dipping scale in terms of quality, and only recently we've been lucky with UFC 193, where we actually got a pretty big card, even though. It was more top he- top heavy than anything. So I'm hoping that they treat the Australian fans, you know, the loyal fans, give us a big card, give us some international names, and of course, give the Aussies a chance to make some money and, and get some wins. And a lot of the Aussies, really, I think almost all of them, except for Rob Whitaker, like you mentioned, are coming off losses. So it'll be it'll be a good chance to sort of you know spin a comeback story for Aussies.
4: Yeah, it's one of those situations as well where uh, Jake Matthews will obviously have an important fight. Um, I'd, you know, if Chris, if this New York thing wasn't happening, and now I'm going to be selfish and be like, why does New York have to happen before this Australia thing? But if it wasn't, you know, I would have loved to see like a Chris Weidman fight uh, Robert Whitaker or like a Luke Rockhold fight Robert Whitaker, something really big. Romero might be available. Yeah, Romero might be available, but if he beats Robert Whitaker, I don't feel like he'll do as much for Whitaker's career. I feel like if he loses against Rockhold or Weidman, you're like, Dude, it's Chris Wade. Or dude, it's Luke Rockhold. Yeah. Of course, you know he's a young kid. This against the old Romero. He doesn't have that kind of, you know, that kind of popularity. A lot of people are sort of not taking him that well because of what's happened to him recently. And you know, you old Romero is a dangerous mofo. So he has the ability to beat him. It'll be a tough one. Uh, One thing I will tell you is they did a study and a lot of the uh, Australian fight fans actually travel out of Victoria to the other states when there's another fight card. So that's really good to see the Victorian fans rewarded. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, what about UFC 193? Yeah, they were rewarded there, but it was sort of, it was a little bit expensive. There was a lot of stuff going on here. This is more for the purists, you know, and they'll be able to see it in a really good venue, which makes me happy.
0: Yeah, no, that's going to be fantastic. They've announced the schedule for the rest of the year, it's packed, it's barely a weekend Toronto but, Yeah, it's Toronto, in December. Obviously, Manchester for us is, is, you know, the big one for us 5am
5: Yeah Hold yeah. on, oh, no, just, just quickly, Toronto in December, is that what they said? Yeah I believe so. oh, well, well there you go, it just so happens GSB can fly as early as December so. There you go So yeah.
0: if
4: he can find in Melbourne first and then in
0: Toronto, <laughs> that would be much appreciated Perfect, and I think they've got an end of year show back here in Vegas on the 30th Yeah, So um, we'll we be might- celebrating
4: New Year's together
0: Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. Chaps, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we shall reconvene at... Uh, at the bar. At the bar. Good man. All right, so there we go. We heard from a multitude of the MMA media's uh, great and good. And here we are back at Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm here with my good buddy John Morgan from MMA Junkie. You heard USA from the great
6: TV. and good, now, you, now you're stuck with me.
0: We've finished the best the best to <laughs> last, man. I'm not going to lie, we're knackered. But oh. The time right now is 5.35 a.m.
6: The glamorous life, baby. Mm-hmm. The glamorous life.
0: So uh, if we sound tired, it's because we are. Um, so we've come out to get some food. We have uh, we have a cold beer in front of us. I also have a can of Red Bull for medicinal purposes <laughs> to keep me from nodding off uh, during the food. It's been an amazing week. Um, at the start of the week, John, we said there wasn't a lot of buzz going on. Then all hell breaks loose at the press conference. Then we have the open workhouse with the, that epic mic drop from Conor McGregor. Then we get the weigh-ins. The fight could possibly live up to that, could it? It did. It was unbelievable.
6: It was. It, it, uh, it's funny. You're right. It's been an amazing week to think about the journey. I mean, uh, you, know, you and I were talking earlier as we were recording the MMA Roadshow um, about the ebbs and flows, you know what I mean? And there was ebbs and flows... In the fight, there were ebbs and flows in the week, uh, ebbs and flows in in Conor McGregor's career. I mean, this thing was just a such a microcosm. Everything all together, it was uh, was spectacular, and and the fight really did live up to it. And I mean, it's one of those fights where really, I don't walk away thinking any less of either fighter. You know, I I think more of both of them. I think how incredible it was that Conor McGregor, you know, demanded that he, he he take what by all accounts was kind of a crappy set of circumstances fighting in a weight class you had no business being in um and 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 wanted to play it back and to do that and then you know Nate Diaz for the the way he performed you know I thought initially watching it live it was pretty clear cut that Conor McGregor won three rounds of two same man but uh you know we've gone back and watched it again and that second round, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a close one. I still feel pretty good in my decision, mm. but uh, it was really close. If you think about how close I was to going the other way, amazing.
0: Unbelievable fight and uh, it's quite interesting because how you consume your MMA and where you watch the fights can quite often determine how you, how you score them and, and whether you've got commentary played on the TV or whether it's muted. Whether you're in the arena, whether you're up in the in the cheap seats at the back, or whether you're at floor level, you everyone has a slightly different uh, view of what of, of, of what they're looking at. Now, the pair of us were sat alongside each other in the front row of press row, so we couldn't have been any closer. Right. Um, but it was very interesting. Cold coffee, Kenny Hathaway. Yep. Your 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 wingman was adamant that Dave Diaz won that fight. I spoke to the Submission Radio guys. You heard from them a little earlier on this on this podcast. They were both adamant that Nate Diaz won the fight. They were both out back as well. So um, the fight may have been closer than we thought it was. I, I thought it was an easy fight to score.
6: I did too. And, uh, you know, the stats show that That I guess if you count, you know, punches by numbers and that's all you use to mm. score, that then maybe Nate Diaz won. Well, I mean, basically, the only controversy is in that second round. I mean, you did have one judge. They gave Nate Diaz a, a 10-8 round in that in that third in that third round and I, I guess you could perhaps make that argument. I, I don't think that was n- justified, but it, it basically the only controversy comes down to that second round. And so if you're if you're wanting to go back and figure this out and and, and rescore it, you know don't don't bother with the full twenty five. I think just make sure you go back and watch round two because that's where it's all coming down. But uh, yeah, man, I mean still just soaking it all in. it's amazing. Uh, I mean, the other thing too is, I mean, Nate Diaz is a guy that marks up pretty easily, but at that post-fight press conference, he looked rough. I mean, he looked like a guy that had lost a fight. It was it was one of those where if you didn't know what had occurred and you just looked at the two men and you said, tell me which guy won the fight, yeah. you know, you would point right to Conor McGregor. Now, that doesn't mean anything because everybody's bodies kind of react a little bit different, but yeah. uh, still, it was, it was interesting. It was a close fight, and... I do think these two should do it again down the line. I do think they should do a trilogy. I do think it should be at 155 pounds. I think that makes a lot of sense for everybody. And I also don't think it should be right now. I don't, I don't think there's any need to go back to it right now. Let these two go along their way, but keep this one tucked in your back pocket for a, a, a night that you need a big fight.
0: Absolutely, and you talk about trying to work out who won the fight the co-main event there was no such problem <laughs> Anthony Rumble Johnson and I, I asked this I asked this question to most of the guys in the in the press room so I'll ask it to you as well is Anthony Rumble Johnson the scariest dude in the UFC right now
6: 100% 100% Francis Ngannou is, is, is pretty much uh, he's up there in the running
0: too but we had Derek Lewis we mentioned uh, yeah, Der- Derek Lewis got a strong mention
6: Derek Lewis is definitely there uh I guess, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because Derek Lewis is such a nice guy, and Anthony Johnson is such a nice guy. I mean, he really is, an honest to God, nice guy. But I'll tell you what right now, like, I will never borrow money from Anthony Johnson, ever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just on the off chance that I have trouble paying him back on time, like, I, no, he's a scary, scary dude. That uppercut, uh, if you do happen to go back and watch the replay, you might see me making a uh slightly unexpected gesture cage Shy, because it was just it was brutal i mean it was stunningly brutal and uh i look forward to him facing daniel cormier that's the only fight to make right now i don't care what happens to john jones i do think john jones suspension uh is 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 going to keep him out of commission for a little while i don't think he's going to get two years but i do think he's going to get suspended but with the momentum that
0: Anthony Johnson has right now, I think you make that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we spoke about it on Press Row. I don't think there's a man at 205 pounds I would back to beat. Or Let me rephrase this. There's not a man at 205 pounds I don't think Anthony Rumble Johnson can knock out. For I agree. Like Or can't knock out. I think Johnson can starch anyone in that division. Glover Teixeira, 30 fight veteran of the game. Only ever been TKO'd or knocked out once and that was in his professional debut way back in 2002 and that was a tko with knees and elbows so that would have been cumulative strikes he hasn't looked close to being knocked out Uh, ryan bader was hitting him with some heavy stuff and glover knocks him out clean um this was just he's got otherworldly punch power Anthony rumble johnson and i would love him to move on to heavyweight one day i think he could be he could be that mike tyson character that you know that 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 big scary knockout machine who could potentially potentially be a heavyweight world champion one day.
6: I think it could. It's crazy to say that. It sounds bizarre, especially when you consider that the guy fought in the UFC at 170 pounds, which was always seemed like some kind of physical impossibility. I just never yeah. understood how he made it happen, but yeah, I mean certainly you know, a a guy like Cain Velasquez with great wrestling would would give him some troubles. Uh, I mean, there are certain stylistic matchups, but I think he's got the power to match anybody at heavyweight and you think about the speed that he brings, you know, it could be one of those situations where you know, you don't try to bulk up to 260 pounds. You come in in the middle in there, you know. Absolutely, that, you know, cruiserweight type level. Yeah. And you know your speed and your athleticism mean a lot and again that that guy's got power i think you said when we were talking uh, kind of off air you said you know maybe mark hunt might be the only guy that you'd grant more power and I'm, yeah you're right you know if you were if you're going in and doing the, the 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 attribute programming for ea usc game you know hunt, hunt would,
0: maybe hunt might. gets
6: the hundred yeah and anthony johnson's right there with a the 99
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and uh it was a night of finishes. I mean, if you look back at the UFC 200 card and, you know, you mentioned this on on the road show. if you were picking one event to, to have on a desert island with you and it was UFC 200 or UFC 202, it's 202 all day long. I oh mean, dear. the star power wasn't there and I remember saying going into this week that it was maybe not a one-fight card but, my, you know, maybe a two- or a three-fight card. But... We were treated to some cracking finishes. Um, pick pick one or two of them out for us that, you know, people who are coming away going, that guy had a that guy had a phenomenal night.
6: I mean, the easy one, of course, is Garbrandt. That that was just spectacular to, to, to go in there and do what he did to Mizugaki, especially with what's on the line, and then to call out the champ and have the champ be in the building and for everybody to kind of see that and the champ to. I mean, I think he might have earned himself a title shot. So that was a big one. The other one that stood out to me was Lorenz Larkin. Uh, yeah. Lorenz Larkin, that was one hundred percent the best version we've ever seen. Lorenz Larkin, he had everything dialed in, on point, put together. That just Neil Magni is not a guy that you manhandle, and Lorenz Larkin absolutely manhandled
0: him. He took him to the cleaners, and I'll be honest with you, he was so good. I did have a, I did have a thought for about 20-30 seconds in that fight I thought, is Magny not is Magny ill? Is there something wrong with Neil Magny? Because he was just being dealt with so so comprehensively by Lorenz Larkin
6: I really think that first kick to the body Yeah, I, I think it hurt him more than he wanted to let on and he tried to fight through it I don't think he ever recovered from that first body kick and I think Magny was trying to show you know, as much of as he could but I really think that first body kick did him in
0: Absolutely, I mean, others, others, I, I would pick out Platinum Mike Perry. <laughs> Platinum Mike Perry, now it, a, a complete newcomer. You know, the, we we knew an almost, unknown, We, knew, an we literally unknown. knew nothing about the guy, and I, I, I you know, I interviewed him in uh, on media day, and in the nicest way I could. I said to him, "You, you know, you're going to have to tell tell me a bit about yourself because." I don't really know anything. Um, and he was cool with it and he's you know, he, he gave us he gave us a really cool interview. He's a great character.
5: portenders genders?
0: Lovely, yeah. thank you. This is Reg,
1: this is blue cheese.
0: Half flats. And Reg is extra cris. Awesome, thanks brother. Great no problem Great stuff, thank you. Thank you. Our food just turned up? <laughs> um, what was I saying Platinum Mike Perry great performance from him we knew literally nothing about the guy and in he goes and puts a hurt in on uh, on young Gyu Lim.
6: we had done a uh, so when I was kind of researching him stepping in I realized I was like I, I know the guy's name from somewhere and it turns out we at MMA Junkie one of our writers had done a, a a fight path series on him it was a prospects-based series. We don't do it any longer because the, the the writer that did him had to move on to some other projects. But uh, we did this we did this story on him and it talked about how, like he had this loose connection to Dan Severn that kind of led him to MMA. So I got him on the phone and I, and I kind of wanted to bring it up, explore that a little further. And I was like, "So it was kind of a connection to Dan Severn." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." It turns out that's totally not true. He's like, "I, I." I, I. It's good. Oh, good it, thanks, yes, yeah. He was like, uh, I, I thought it was the case, like, because the guy's name that I knew, his last name was Severn, and I thought he was like a cousin, but it turns out that wasn't the case. And I was like, I was just like, how how funny is that? How ridiculous is that? It just the the guy's the guy's a character, man. He's he's got the the uh, the famous torso tattoo now that you were that you enjoyed so much.
0: Well, God's gift, he says. I mean, <laughs> you gotta you've gotta have a little bit of self confidence just to tattoo yourself in the first place. But if you're going to tattoo yourself and say God's gift then uh, the guy isn't, isn't wanting for a bit of self-belief. No. And he went in there against young kyu Lim who for a 170 pound man, man is a giant. I don't know Monster. what his official stats are. He must have been at least 6'3", right? Um, he is. And, and, Mike, and,
6: and with Mike being as short as he is it felt more like he was 6'6",
0: 6'7". He did. He made him a little Man Choi in there. And... Uh, but he chopped that big old tree down didn't he I mean he, and, and you know we were talking about it earlier it wasn't necessarily concussing knockout power it was just brutal power just knocking the guy off his feet um, but by the end the, I, think he, I think it was three knockdowns and the third one hurt him bad and, really bad and that was the end of the fight some great great fights final final bit from you before we uh, before we eat our chicken that has just arrived um, the whole week has been has been pretty special, um, started slow, escalated quickly, and just kept on going. What What would be your abiding memory from this week? Oh,
6: what an amazing question that is. Uh, I mean, to me, it was about the resurgence of Conor McGregor. You know, I, I wrote this story for USA Today newspaper uh, on on Friday um, that I, I really felt like this was do or die for Conor McGregor as crazy as that sounds knowing that he still has a 145 pound belt in his back pocket uh, the thought that maybe he can't make it anymore and that maybe he might have to give that up and then maybe he'd be on a two fight losing streak and then maybe his star power would be gone I mean I thought at that press conference that he literally lost his mind I thought he literally lost his mind and I'm like Nate is so much in his head around I feel like we saw the maturity of Conor McGregor. I feel like this will turn out to be a massive moment in the history of Conor McGregor. When that story is, is done being told, I think we'll look back on this as a seminal night to really galvanize who he is as a, as a human being and as a fighter. To know that if he makes the sacrifices, he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And uh, I think that's that's it. I feel, it's as weird as that sounds with all that he's already accomplished. I feel like it was like a coming of age for Conor McGregor, and, and I think that's that's what I'll certainly always remember.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with that. I think with every performance, we're learning more about the guy, and we're, we're seeing new new layers to him as a, as a person, and as a fighter. Obviously, he, he projects his personality, but when you're in there in a fist fight, you get to see the real guy, you know, and anyone who thought that he was all, all style, no substance, that's gone out the window a long time ago. And, um, you know, to do what he did to come back from, you know, that that really damaging loss of 196 to Diaz.
6: Um, and then to get rocked in the third round. And then, I mean, momentum was totally against him. Yep. For him to dig deep in that fourth round, I think round four.
0: That was the one that won in the fight. Yeah. Years. Well, really? in our eyes at least. Of
6: course, right, right. <laughs> it was... Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a moment that'll that'll go down in history.
0: Yeah, superb performance. My abiding memory, I think, is probably those weigh-ins. I think we've been to some remarkable weigh-ins, and you get some shenanigans happen every now and again, and for me, the greatest weigh-in event I ever went to was the first one I ever went to in Vegas, which was 189, the MGM Grand was full amazing 11,000 people it was ridiculous it was it was some unlike anything I'd ever experienced to watch men in pants stand on a scale it was quite <laughs> something But this was a completely different set this time it was in a marquee ballroom and I described it as being like an aircraft hangar and um, so it was a completely different feel but I don't know how many people were in that building but it was pretty full um, and there was a real you could feel the electricity in the air and there was that ever so slight feeling that something could kick off yeah. at any point and it never did and the, you know the fans deserve immense credit for that it was a fantastic performance by not just the fighters on fight night but the fans i think made it and that was that was the moment this week when the irish finally showed up and it, then it then it was like okay we're excited for the fight but then the irish turned up and it's like okay this event is now going to be a bit special and uh, we got a great atmosphere on fight night it also spurred on the other fighters, you know those main card fighters. We had TKO after TKO after TKO. It was it was a it was really superb stuff. And at one point, I think Joe Silver walked past us on Press Row, and uh, you sort of gave him a nudge and said, "Not a bad main card, this is it." And he was like, "No, this is great." So it was a great event. The next big event for us, uh, as as the Brit Pack, will be UFC 204. That takes place in Manchester. We've obviously been talking about this for a few shows. That's all booked and booked and uh, scheduled now. I spoke with Michael Bisbing this week. I had, sit, I had to sit down with him. I also had to sit down with Dan Anderson. And I um, will give you a bit more information on those two interviews in next week's edition of the Brit Pack. It is currently, looking at his watch, five minutes to six in the morning <laughs> and I can tell you I've been up since six o'clock yesterday morning 24 so, hours so I'm about to hit the 24 hour mark I've got a plate of chicken in front of me I've, I'm about to attack that chicken finish my pint and uh, turn in for the night and get some much needed kip thank you so much for listening to the Brit Pack it's been a bit of a weird one this week bit of a, a mishmash of stuff hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the reaction It'll be me and Sandu back behind the mic next Monday. So do check us out. You can get us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Acast, and on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash The is the place to go. You'll find links to everything else there. Follow us on Twitter at The Brit You can follow Sandu at Sandu MMA. You can follow me at Simon Head. That was The Brit Pack from Las Vegas. A little bit different. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks to everyone for being here a part of the show this week. It's been great fun. We will speak to you again from Blighty next week.